0: This is Power One and Two Digital, the Power Breakfast Show podcast series. Yeah, what's
1: going on? What's going on?
2: What's
0: going on? What's going
2: on? Yeah, yeah, What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, yeah. Thank you, AV for our major news. Can I get a woohoo? Woo-hoo! Thank you. All right. Of course, we have a, a news brief coming up at 8 o'clock, and that's all good. You see the wonderful folks out at Champlain Auto Sim. All right. Take a look what's happening traffic-wise. I'm just not going to do that. It's, as I term, stinking dirty this morning. Wow san fernando is lighter rivulet road is heavy from chaguanas to trh is heavy that's it usual things after that maracas pillars coming down to the roundabout in Maraval.
0: yeah that's what you got there this morning
2: all right so thank you so much gentlemen well thank you so much av and thank you folks uh, for being locked on to the second hour of the power breakfast show on power 102 digital all right um, before I give the results uh, So far for our morning pool Final results out tomorrow Take a quick break Be right back
3: Every Sunday Enjoy brunch at the Cascadia Hotel For an introductory price Of only $99 Brunch time runs from 10.30am To 3pm Kids 5 and under Accompanied by an adult Eat for free <laughs> So bring the entire family And enjoy this delicious feast Every Sunday At the Cascadia Hotel. Don't miss out. Call 235-4554 and make your reservation now. Brunch at the Cascadia Hotel for an introductory price of only $99. Special conditions apply. Do you
2: need to get work done on your vehicle? Look no further than the auto champions. Chamflay Auto Services, from vehicle inspection to shutdown service, they do it all. Chamflay Auto Services, great mechanics and technicians, exceptional customer service with accessories galore. Chamflay Auto Services is your one-stop shop. They are your auto champions. You name it, they can fix it. Chamflay Auto Services, Eastern Main Road, opposite Tarib. Call 662-6545 and like us on Facebook. Chamflay Auto Services, we do it all. All righty. It is 7.15. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us. All right, Richie Rich. I know you've been keeping tally for our poll. And let's get the results. Richie?
1: Yeah, so I have the poll results. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you would have had... Um, I was supposed to correct... Um, I said that the... Minister of Finance said that it was the biggest budget ever that Tobago would get, but I was wrong. He said it was better than last year. Mm. I know he said something better than. It it was more than last year. So he said it was more than last year. So are you satisfied that the 2022-2023 budget will move the country forward? We had 15 people voting on the poll this morning. Ten of you said no. It will not. Five of you said yes. So, of course, hmm. you can continue to vote on this poll throughout the day, throughout programming,
2: and we'll give you the final results tomorrow morning. Yeah, I'm just checking here to see if any more votes came in. You know, uh, I just got one Andre saying absolutely not. That's it. Yeah, okay, so that's it. More majority of no's. All right, as we wait for Mr. Mariano Brown to join us this morning uh he's a bit late. he's never late. he's always on time. He's a punctual man.
0: We know there are other demands and there are times these mm-hmm. days you just messaged me a little while ago um, so the uh the two twenty twenty three allocation for the teacher represents an increase of 185 million dollars so over last year's allocation of 2.336 billion so tobago has gotten more the, the allocation this time around is 2.521 billion dollars the THA can access another 135 million in loans financing for its development projects and 100 million TT in loan financing from cf for coastal protection works in tobago
1: so they didn't get the four billion dollars for the roxborough project
0: no but i thought that was ambitious anyway uh we see how it goes um a lot of emphasis uh had been placed on of course the issue of learning loss and I waited, with bated breath to hear the education ministry's contribution to the budget. Because education and training, as I fully agree with, has received the lion's share of the budget, the largest share of the budget. Uh, and a lot of emphasis has been placed on the, the underperformance at the SDA level. So they put aside $10 million to, do, to deal with the recent summer july august remediation the trained teachers also commendable admirable but only uh 2700 of the nine thousand el- eligible students optioned that so you have the others still to be remediated going to form one or in form one now i should say because it's school t- this tool term has started but we've heard nothing about the forms two three four and five that moved up from five now going i write SCA and um, escape sorry and the standard one two three and four who also suffered learning loss so i guess when the minister d- delivers her contribution we will hear what the plans are to remediate them and you know something that i was not satisfied with the minister actually said is that the 50 million dollars which has now been put aside for remedial intervention is to take school the school performance scores back to pre-pandemic level and i would have thought that you know what this is an opportunity to move it past that if you really want to be competitive you're not looking at pre-pandemic level because they were okay not fantastic kind of thing So if you're going to remediate, let's jump ahead, (laughs) you know? Let's not just jump back to pre-pandemic levels because those weren't fantastic anyway. There there was about 40% or 35% of the school population that weren't doing great. They were doing, some were doing average and some were doing really badly. So is it that we do have the kind of vision to say, okay, this crisis is an opportunity, but again, Let's wait and see what the education minister says. Yeah, I suppose, I suppose her Dr. Nan Gadsby Dolly will
1: address those concerns, Paul. We'll see.
2: I hope. What Steve can. All right, Mariano is about to join us
0: there. Eh? Yeah, I, I, I waited, bated breath. Mm-hmm. And to get data on the other cohort's performance or underperformance, as the case may be. Good morning, Dr. Brown.
3: Good morning. Good morning, Professor. <laughs> good morning, Doctor. Morning? <laughs> good morning. Good morning. How are you? How
0: are, you? How are, you? are we? Calling the Doctor, this morning. What's going on? <laughs> well, you are the Doctor, of Finance. Recording analysis. in You're progress. You're looking on for some insight. So, yep, absolutely. Okay. I see all okay, kind of people going on a very doctorate. So I you on a doctorate. you Have, doctorate. Wait, wait. Yeah, you have right. for experience. sure, Doctorate. You have the experience and the training. More right. than half of them would well, give given they give it a doctorate too, so wherever.
3: mine is coming in due course yeah not the I'm, one. You see, not, I'm not surprised you see i'm clear for you not I the honorary one oh, <laughs> I, I,
1: um, I, I mariano brown i saw you on um television last night agreeing wholeheartedly with the minister of trade and industry about what sorry you all seem to be getting along
3: um I think oh, that's what you like that. I don't. So you sure you saw this or this same interview?
0: <laughs> you must see a little piece? side would a good evening. <laughs> 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 Classified I getting get it along.
3: I thought we had a major disagreement. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's let's really, start with your overall, Im-
0: <laughs> your overall impressions of uh, fiscal 2022-2023 package.
3: Well, I mean, I'll go back to the several conversations we have had on this particular program, where I've said to you that for change to come into an Android, I mean, we are buying time and we are basically selling hope. And essentially, uh, what we have seen is there's no, there's no turnaround in the economy. What has happened is that prices have, have, have increased, right? <clears throat> prices have increased at a time when production has declined. And as Kevin Ramnarayan was making the point, these are the two biggest assumed prices that we have ever had in any budget, right? $6 for gas and 90 dollars for for oil. They never had those prices. Yet the revenue numbers are not the biggest. And they're not the biggest because in both instances of production is of of declined. The minister in talking about, if you listen to the minister, go back to 2018. Um, <clears throat> 2018 was very, very sharp, very positive with regard to the the, rate, the, growth, the growth in the economy and the growth in the, in the gas sector. And at that time, we were producing 36 billion cubic feet a day we're now down to 2.5 2. 2.6 Say 2.6 and his projection for growth in the energy sector is after enunciating about 10 different projects that have been going on and billions of dollars in u.s dollars into the investment His outlook for natural gas production for next year is for just less than two and three billion cubic feet in other words we are producing at the same quantity we produced in in probably about 2003. We have 37% of our largest production, and we're 25% below where we were in, 20, in, in 2018. Um, the ammonia plants are operating below capacity. We have two or three methanol plants, which are closed on one train, one LNG train, which is down. Now, those are the basics. Right? So the bottom line is that we've had no turnaround in economy. What we've had increasing prices in the energy sector, which have been sufficient, and when I say increase in price in the energy sector, both in gas as well as in petrochemicals, <clears throat> much more in ammonia and urea than, it, than in methanol. The methanol prices have been much more moderate. And that's one of the reasons why. And we don't have enough gas in the methanol plants. Some of the methanol plants remain closed. Right? There's not, not enough gas to wear up. So you can't hang your hat on the, on the energy sector indefinitely moving forward into the future. But the minister says in the course of the speech, Um, We will continue to depend on the energy sector for a very long time in the future. And he then announces some changes in the SPT, um, which will give some relief to some of the onshore drilling companies. And he also talks about relief in the SPT in Never Never Land in terms of deep water, except that we haven't had any deep water fines and or um, any bid rounds. Nobody really has bid for the deep waters. So, I mean, giving any sort of relief in that particular area is not a, is not a heck of a big thing moving forward. I mean, maybe, maybe if, if, when, when, right? So that when we get down to brass tacks, what are the changes we are seeing, um, overall, what are the changes that are going to move us forward? What are the structural changes that have taken place that have put the economy in a firmer footing that we're going to move that, you know, the economy is going to grow and other areas are going to basically start to demonstrate their capacity and so on. Well, the answer is that they're none. So what we're really depending on is a change at the state. We have had a positive change in the energy sector. Um, and if you could take the numbers and you compare uh, in, in terms of what he talks about the the um, non-energy manufacturing sector. Well, the non-energy manufacturing sector is largely petrochemicals. That has been reclassified. That is no longer part of our energy sector per se. It's part of manufacturing. I'll strip that out and then make a comparison to say that the numbers are bigger uh, in 2021 relative to 2020 well 2020 is a bad year you can't compare 2021 with 2020 2020 is when we had COVID. that shouldn't be a benchmark that can be a benchmark you have to compare to 2019 right on those numbers any change is modest so the reality is we have increased prices that's it nothing else so what
0: what do you so the the projection of revenues of 56.175 billion dollars even with the the, the oil price and the gas price projection. Do you think that's reasonable uh, uh, in, in in the context of the expenditure profile of 57.685? Because that means that they're closing the deficit. If we are to believe that that 56.175 billion in expected revenue is reasonable and achievable. I, I, don't,
3: I, don't, I don't doubt it. Um, I accept that it's 56. 56 but you see, <clears throat> let's put it this way. Um, the, the positive changes on the revenue side are largely due to circumstances outside of our control entirely. All right. So let's just say that we expect that to continue for a year. Mr. Putin is going to be very, very good for the, for the country <laughs> in Ukraine.
0: Consider, that's not going to end anytime soon, according to the, the, the experts' projections.
3: Well, all right. So on that basis, we can show, we could, we could bend, we could say that the energy price, there's been some moderation in the energy prices, the price of, um, the, the, the price of oil has fallen within recent weeks. There are some changes which are taking place. And you will find those demand and supply changes because more than likely, Europe is going to go into recession. Um, there may be a mild recession in the US. Right? But if you listen to um, the, the head of the IMF over the weekend, um, the real issue that the, the major economies are, 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 are bracing for is inflation. Inflation because of the huge... Energy price shock and the knock-on effect that is going to have in terms of households as well as the private sector and the availability of energy, particularly in Europe, that's going to be a major factor moving forward. And we moving into winter, so a recession, a recession beckons. All right. We had the examples, uh, the in the British economy, um, the, the, the British minister. I take a huge, a huge bet, which is partly Keynesian, partly what you call it Thatcherite in terms of their policies. And the market said, oh, really, we do, exp- we do expect it to work, All right? So we're going to see how that's going to work out. But the bottom line is that in a, a, a significant percentage of the world economy are going to see some depression. Uh, in China, China's growth rate has slowed substantially. It's come down from the big numbers that we had before. And we can say that China has now matured as a middle-income country, and its rate of growth going forward is not going to be as big. Um, there clearly are issues. Uh, at Seems to be at a political level. We heard some stuff, for rumors over the weekend. We've heard nothing else from China. We know that there have been the continuation of the lockdowns with respect to COVID hasn't worked well for them. Well, so that the rate of growth in the in, the, in the economy is going to be substantially less than the IMF initially predicted in the rebound in twenty twenty one. In fact, the IMF has literally been reducing its forecast every quarter. All right, so the outlook is about. We've gone back to a sort of moderate rate of growth, or somewhere in the region of about three percent moving forward. All right, some countries are going to fall within that number. Many countries are going to be below that number. So we'll see how it works out. So I'm not going to I'm not going to fight with the minister over the revenue numbers. I don't think I don't think there's any any value in that. The real issue goes back to the fundamental issues that we've been talking about: structural reforms. And I think the largest part of the budget for me was a signal to the unions that we cannot. Pay you more than what we have put on the table. Right, and I think the signal that came over the weekend is that we are serious. We're going to, we're going to hold the line and we're not going to accept um, walkouts and or strikes and or industrial action on a continuous basis moving forward. We are opting for industrial peace and we're going to hold the line and we're going to be hard about it. That That's what I heard in the budget.
0: Looking at the situation with uh the non-energy sector and the but let me let me let me go to another question first the issue of inflation is challenging economies around the world while we are benefiting from uh the increased uh commodity prices you see a slight shift downward in the in the subsidy regime with the uh premium and super going up by one dollar diesel 50 mm-hmm. cents minute. seeing the impact of diesel obviously on the transportation grid and the and the knockoff effect and on, on price of prices of goods and services in an already inflationary cycle mm-hmm. had really been considered what are your thoughts on how this budget will affect the man in the street who is already screaming bloody murder about the effects on inflation particularly at the groceries
3: well, the, the bottom line is that we're not going to be able to do much about that. There's still going to be bloody murder <laughs> in terms of prices. Um, what the what the government has opted for, because the changes in the price of of of, of the fuel uh, um, are not are not what you, are not major um, from that perspective. They will have an impact. Um, it's going to factor in in terms of the overall impact. We've already seen um, the rate of inflation has moved from a very moderate 1.5 percent. Something in the region, more in the region of five percent. Now, five um, percent sounds reasonable, but what you have to look at is a change. the change, de- what we call it delta coefficient. Right, so the, del- the delta is to move from 1.5 percent to five percent, because that really says that if the price has increased, prices increased dramatically, right? or prices have started to increase and have started to reflect themselves in the index. And I think that's where you have to, that's where you have to pay attention to. So the answer is that we are going to be having a an inflationary, an inflationary situation. I mean, some simple things. I mean, you go to the market, I mean, we have some seasonal disruptions in terms of prices. So, for example, the price of tomatoes is probably about $20 a pound. Um, they used to be 10. Um, and, and somewhere about June, they were about $10 or $12. So you're talking about, what, a 50% increase, 100% increase in price, right? Um, you have to say that seasonal. But if you look at another one, another benchmark, say, for example, in price of um salted, not cod, um, Pollock, um, quite long packages of saltfish. um uh, twelveng packages, they move from twenty dollars at Christmas time to twenty five uh, um, somewhere about in February, and then we move from twenty five to thirty dollars. right? This weekend it was thirty dollars. Last weekend it was thirty dollars. So you're talking about that's a ten dollars increase between january and and September. Uh, mm-hmm. That's a fifty percent increase. So there are there are price rises, and the price rises are taking place in discrete increments that are affecting food. And food is one of the critical issues. So even if you would adjust, even if you would adjust your taste patterns and use more local food, there are seasonalities in prices. But, the- but
0: give no import levels in the country for food, just like the energy commodity prices that are benefiting us. We have no control over that inflationary prices that are projected no. to continue to rise.
3: No, no, no. And so, so the issue becomes, I mean, we had the, the conference, uh, two weekends or three weeks, four weekends, three weekends ago about sustainable food production in the Caribbean, but we have to move from talk to action. It's not the first time we've been talking about it. It's not new. Um, and the, the issues where that is concerned, uh, uh you know, from an agriculture point of view, there are three issues. It's not reflected in the budget. Um, agricultural access roads and, the, and the, how we fix that. Um, the other one is irrigation. And the third one is land tenure and access to land. You can't have and uh, can't talk about sustainability in food crop production. If you don't talk about those three issues, there's nothing reflected in budget that dealt with that. Um, yes, but there's
0: about, $1.33 billion really point that we are backing up the investment with the rhetoric.
3: You mean in agriculture? Yeah. Oh, you mean, but that's, a, that's really a $400 million increase. So clearly there, there's some change. But we have to spell that out in terms of what what are the areas in which have changed. The Ministry of Agriculture has fallen on substantially in critical area, in which we used to be strong, which is agricultural extension officers. Well, you're not, going to get agric- or, or you're not going to get agricultural extension officers in the field. It's of one year. That's not just not going to happen. All right? It's impossible for it to take place. You're not going. To, you can't just basically find the people and bring them out. So. Um, I don't know what, that's the, what, what, what those numbers mean, but bottom line, I guess that the minister of agriculture will spell them out. There are structural issues which have to be addressed.
0: How, how much of that is, I mean, the, the, the conversation has been with the minister of trade and, and the, the philosophy about a free trade market, a, a capitalist mm-hmm. system, where, where the issue of <laughs> price control is almost an, an anatomy now. So, it, and, and and there are sectors they the would price control
3: so sorry price, price control doesn't work let's forget about yeah but
0: there, but there are sectors that are benefiting tremendously from it at the expense of the general population are you I talking mean, about they, the free trade
3: the yeah they, they, they,
0: i mean the, the the fact that we are spending forex to bring particular sections of retail items into the country okay you
3: know? well the it, biggest is of foreign exchange is, is not is not what is is, what, is energy you know you import energy Mm-hmm. Uh, you import you import um, uh, fuel um, uh, in in the form of of, of what you call it um, diesel. All of it is refined. Uh, you you import refined products. So um, that is the biggest use of foreign exchange. Food comes second, I think, second or third. all right? is not the biggest use of foreign exchange. So that you you have to. I mean that that's the reality. Uh, We depend, we are now more like the other Caribbean countries in terms of importing our energy requirements, and that takes up a significant volume of our foreign exchange demand. So the the, the, the minister is in a position and the country is in a position where it has to be cautionary moving forward. We have to be judicious in terms of the choices of projects that we use, um, that will put us solve some of our foreign exchange issues or alternatively reduce our demand for foreign exchange
0: but, but I make the point in the context of when you look at the I am mean, it's a bad it's a bad comparison to compare us to developed countries but developed countries are or countries that are looking 10 15 years down the road because of the experiences of, of the past two three decades are looking at food security and energy energy security very very carefully because they know that those are almost national security issues in the wider context of it. There are exist- existential issues in the wider context of any budget and projection for the country down the road. They're looking at those two in particular because of what they've experienced in the last
3: particularly 10 years. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about it from a policy orientation. And I think that's was an important point. So let's just say, for example, that the prices of energy, we import, we import energy. It's a significant component, significant use of our foreign exchange. Um, and it's important, it drives the price of literally almost everything in and that we've increased it we've increased it, we've increased the prices all right, let, all right let's accept that now let's just look in terms of what our, do we have a national transportation policy which addresses that if the complaint is that we have a million cars on the road now let's just ask ourselves the question we're in the middle of what technically the world is calling climate change and the, the need for um, reduction in terms of our carbon emissions and the internal combustion engine literally uh, is going to go the way of all flesh. We're going to change stuff. We need to move to electronic vehicles. Was there any sort of policy formulation that addressed that in the budget? Because you're Not already right. seeing in an island economy, you have a million cars. Well, when a million cars go bad, what are you going to do with them? Where are you going to put them? Um, you can't dump them in the sea because when you dump them in the sea, you're going to pollute the sea. Uh, and you're going to pollute, by definition, you pollute yourself because we eat what is in the sea. So we have, to, we have to talk about all of the changes that are likely to come with that. The structural changes that are gonna change. I mean, for example, if you have an energy vehicle, we're talking about uh, uh, a range of what we'll talk about uh, engineering support solutions that over the course of the next 10 years um, may, will decline. So we're talking about people reconfiguring themselves in terms of what are they going to do? Right, we have a lot of mechanics and everything else that, that depend upon the, that built around the importation of cars, the repair of cars, you know, and so on and so forth. Now that clearly is going to change over 10 year horizon. Right. So clearly we have to start anticipating that. If we are also saying that it, it, it is important, um, from a transportation perspective, could lots of man hours are lost in terms of traffic. Then a national transportation policy becomes more important. It's not enough to say we're going to change the buses. The, the, we spend four hundred million dollars a year on PTSE. It transports nine percent of the travelling public. It doesn't have a the schedules. Uh, you can't you can't swear by PTSE schedules by any stretch of imagination. People tell you to use the bus if it's available.
0: You're, you're being very kind, Minister of Transport. To me two years ago, it was a year and a half ago, it was four point five percent or thereabouts.
3: <laughs> well, well, all right. So let's just say for somewhere between four point five percent and nine percent. The bottom line, it's small. Right, so you're really saying that the those other million vehicles, all those PH taxis, the maxi taxis, and everything else, um, what 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 life do they have? What what we have to talk about? What we're doing in terms of our transportation policy to address those vehicles moving forward? Now that is tied up with the, our our use of of fossil fuel, right? All of that those those are important issues. Now, did we hear anything about that in the budget speech?
1: So you're basically talking about a transition plan to move vehicles that
3: depend on fossil fuels out of the system. Well, it, it is not only to move the vehicles; you have to talk about transportation policy from that perspective. We can't have we have gridlock on the roads now. I right? presuming that the internal combustion engine goes out, and we're going to tax it to death. When you look at the ministers, when the ministers benefit from cars, when you buy a two point something million dollar car, right, and you get all these duties waived and so on well what was the red price of the car again so we have to talk about what are we doing how are we allocating the resources right um because enlargement but when you're talking about a
0: transportation policy right it's not only about buses and or cars it's about the philosophy of moving goods and services and people from point a to point b in a much more efficient way saving
3: fuel and increasing productivity because of the the time issues involved you are correct and not only the time issues involved, the health issues involved. I mean, what it is to get children up? I mean, I, I spent the first um, 10 years on my marriage in, in Davide. I live virtually all of my life in Port of Spain. And, I mean, getting up 5 o'clock in the morning to reach to work at 7 o'clock in the morning was was a was kind of norm. Whereas I, where I grew up, you get up at half past 6 in the morning and you, get, and you reach the school for 7.45. Right? You could walk. Right? That's not that's not how we're operating now. So they have a whole series of contingent decisions that have to be made to support that. So I'm saying that I didn't see the articulation of policy. Remember, gentlemen, I have been making the point that we face a lot of structural issues, right? A pro- changes change just change in the price of, of 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 natural gas and natural gas export derivatives, right? Will improve our revenue. It is not necessarily going to improve our life. And that's the point I have to make, that we have other things to do. Now, the budget speed didn't address those other things. What that's are some of the point.
1: key other things that we have to do that you find it didn't address?
3: Well, uh, the issue of our transportation policy, the issue of the growth factors which are required uh, from the point of view of, uh, um, again, going back to energy. Um, and we're saying that fossil fuels, we have to move away from fossil fuels. And if we use, uh, if you want, Renewable energy sources, then by definition, is going to be important that we have more gas to export for the time being and therefore earn more revenue. Well, we didn't really have a holistic position in terms of where we are with renewables. We had a couple of things. Well, we give an incentive to the farmers for renewable energy, and we give something for renewable energy here if they, what you call it, if the manufacturing sector will buy equipment that will run using A, B, and C, but you only give it for a year. Well, I didn't know if it's a transitional provision, is something you're going to be wedded to. If it's something, for example, I'm going to say I'm going to look at it. No business, for example, right, that had that already has a plan for next year has factored in any of those, any of those tax incentives, you know. Those tax incentives are only going to become important in terms of the next planning cycle and the next planning cycle with regard to how am I going to adjust my production system. Right? Nobody's going to go out tomorrow because the prices, the, the, the prices drop by 10% to go and buy a whole set of equipment. Right and uh, by the way, the cost of a car is about two hundred and something thousand dollars. What do you think about a piece of equipment, is in terms of, of the manufacturing sector? Two hundred twenty thousand dollars. So fifty, you get fifty, you get fifty thousand dollars off, which is what about, about a quarter, twenty five percent of it. Well, the kind of equipment we're talking about don't cost don't cost. It's not two hundred thousand dollars. We're talking about you know anywhere in between a half a million and a million dollars. Right, those are significant pieces of investment. I'm not going to go out and buy. And, and do it on the basis of a, a $50,000 increase. I'm going to do it on the basis of what is my incremental production requirements and how does it fit in how I'm going to run my business. So I'm, I'm saying that the, 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 some of those incentives sound good on people, right? The reality in terms of factoring them out in terms of a bus, of business decisions, right? I'm not going to do it and, and you tell me I have a year to get it, a year? But I my plans for next year I already said, Right, so it, that that basically is going to be sometime in the course of during the course of next year, and by the time I apply for it, if I have decided to make the adjustments and changes, and if my business is going in a particular direction, then I, I, would, I, I would I look at it and factor it in. So it, it, the time frame, the time window, on some of those incentives is too short. Um, well that's,
0: that's infrastructure what about the the non-energy sector and the manufacturing sector in terms of the impact this inflationary cycle is having on them and their businesses because because they import most of their elements of production or many of the elements of production and are facing right. the same costs increases with a dwindling market base to buy products and services locally
3: right so the, the point i'm making up uh, and uh, maybe maybe i'm being Maybe I'm expecting too much in terms of budget, but I'm seeing from there are some policy, the policy issues were not articulated in any fashion that gives me hope for the long run. Right? What I what we have in the budget, as we've had in previous years, is that there are some short-term um, decisions which attempt to pacify, tell everybody, well, look, we're doing something, right? But the real deep considerations in terms of the changes which are required are not there. That's the point, the, the, the budget is a holding budget. It's a signal to um, the uh, 40% of our, our labor force who made up of the of the, of the of the public services. Um, we can pay X amount, the changes are going to happen. This is as much as we could afford. We put aside X amount, $4 billion in terms of, of back pay. We'll find it, we pay the back pay quickly, but we can't afford very much else. We have to be conservative, because we don't know how long this is going to last. So it was a holding budget. This isn't. This is not a budget for the future. This is a holding position. It's not, transform- about- it's not transformative. No.
1: He also talked about the the issues of ease of doing business. At least he mentioned it
0: again. He, uh, yeah. <laughs> he mentioned <Yeah>. it again.
1: <laughs> he pulled he well, out record again. Business. He pulled out that song again, right? And um, and uh, there was uh, there was the setting up of a new company called the Trade promotion i can't remember the exact name but there was and and industry and promotion or something like that this this is tedco too and and it was and it and it seems as if it's going to be a merger of several companies under this one company it is um, a merger including creative tt um uh, and some other company expert tt Yeah, um several companies under it and i didn't understand what the intention
3: of that was well because the, the whole idea is that well when when you when one merges and consolidates, one strips out expenses um, in order to focus on one particular objective. So it's a reorganization of companies which have been broken up and broken away from what one would have called TITCO. Right. Now, this is a reconsolidation. So this is TITCO 2. We're bringing back um, we put any services in the 3 Export Promotion Agency, this one, this one, we put into no one particular heading. And if you go back um, to, I guess, early independence, we, we would have called that the IDC, the Industrial Development Corporation. So we've gone back to the Industrial Development Corporation because we are saying that all those, enti- those small entities um, weren't working well or holistically together. And we're going to create, um, this would probably be a line taken from the 1985 budget we're going to create a one-stop shop. This is going to be the new entity. So I must try- admit
1: I'm not a big fan of it, especially for the creative TT side, because any time, historically, the creative sector has generally been neglected. And um, and um, subsuming it into a larger organization just means that the, the, the loud voices are going to be the usual players. And the creative sector is going to suffer as a result of it
0: but the moment of a great hero
1: suffered so I know but at least there was there is still stuff happening in creative DT, whether from the fashion side the music side etc etc and um at least there is a, it's a definite identity that you can go to in terms of if you're a creative person but when it gets subsumed under one organization to me it starts to get lost well and the value of the creative sector I think is minimized
3: and, and 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 those are valid comments now I, I just i'll just point out to you um whilst we are consolidating if you want a promotion the promotional arm of fernando Bago, and if we just go move right across now to tourism development and what did we do there well we actually broke up the company and created two or three yeah. if i remember correctly so we are moving towards consolidation on one hand on the other side we're breaking it up In the hdc we're breaking them up we're breaking up HDC. Have we changed the, the how AGC operates? No, but we're breaking it up supposedly to make it a little easier to manage. So we have some competing alternatives, right? We are restructuring and reorganizing and centralizing in one hand. And on the other side, we are decentralizing and breaking up the tourism development company, housing development company. Um, we now have a secondary roads company, uh, which will have a capitalization of $100 million. And then let, let's just take that as your policy. Let's just talk about our roads which is a good point. Let's just take about our roads. This is important from a point of view of policy formulation as well. Now, we close the, we close the refinery. <clears throat> now, resurfacing the roads requires bitumen. Bitumen comes from the refinery. Uh, bitumen is the oil sludge which we mix with sand and so on and so forth. What is important in terms of building roads is the subsurface of the road, or we impact what we put at the bottom and so on. And then we talk about surfacing. Surfacing is the last layer to go on top. Trinidad asphalt is the last layer, it goes on top. There are specifications from the ministry with regard to the use of asphalt in terms of the mix of bitumen. Now when, right now, everybody's importing, all the contractors are importing bitumen. Not all the contractors have the knowledge, the, the the equipment or anything else to use asphalt. That's the first point. So we have that as a question of retraining. Is there a move to, move to retrain to make certain that Trinidad? And the asphalt, the pitch, which is produced by Trinidad Bego, which will help reduce our import demand for any other sort of material, right, is used with our bit- bitumen, which we are now importing 100%. The answer to that is no. Again, you're talking uh, about you're talking about overriding policy, correct, correct. Right? Are the are these specifications enforced? So the ministry is repairing the highways. The specifications are allowed. Uh, uh, have been put in the position for use on highways. Those specifications do not apply to the repair of the secondary roads and primary roads. Where is the, the deterioration taking place most? Secondary roads and primary roads. Why is deterioration taking place? Well, because there's leaking infrastructure. The leaking infrastructure is about water. That's what's causing the problem many roads, right? But at the same token in terms of resurface and everything else, we have our policy and our specification don't extend to using Trinidad Lake asphalt, but instead we give Castle, a subsidy to keep it going All right those are the kinds of things that you have to talk about that you have to talk about holistically to-
0: which is unheard of because when you if any other company had the assets or the raw material that Lake Castle had country wouldn't it be a billion dollar revenue generator
3: and if it, if it won't be a million dollar revenue generator you would find a way to use it within your construction sector in a way that would reduce your import demand and therefore your use of foreign exchange. Those are the kinds of things that we have to speak to. Those are the kinds of things that you have to arrange. You have to match demand and supply, right? Those are critical issues, right? <clears throat> so that's the point. Those, those are the kinds of issues that I'm talking about from a, a policy where the policy, for example, does work.
0: Well, speaking uh, of policy, the education sector has received the largest allocation, which I have no problem with. However- All
3: that's, all that's gonna do is going pay, pay, pay teachers
0: Right, and and when I'm talking about from, a, from a, a more holistic, looking at it from a more holistic, so you get the largest share, but we have significant learning loss at the lower levels, which would impact our competitiveness down the road, because you, cannot, you can't ignore what happened in two years, and it wasn't great before that, quite frankly, if anybody's to be honest with ourselves at the primary and secondary levels, and it was exacerbated by COVID. Mm-hmm. when we have that kind of investment in education you are the the, the principal director at a tertiary level institution right and we're training they, they've done some 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 in a, they announced some initiatives and in gate in vocational areas to start a deal with the tech focus a bit more do do you get a sense that the education the investment is in alignment with a particular education and training policies that's aligned Tar- that's aligned to development because we're training people
3: who live in hand roofs. yes and that and that has that has been that has been an issue for a long time in terms of the realignment but if you it, that and that's the point if you don't have structured policies um to support for example certain individual sectors then by definition you, there's always going to be a mismatch there's a mismatch in terms of what you're training for and the emphasis on, England has it, you know. I mean, basically, we copy the English education system, right? And England is in, in serious trouble with regard to its vocational training. The countries, for example, that don't have that problem, um, and are best Germany, class, Germany, and Japan, mm-hmm. right? And we haven't we haven't learned the lessons that need to be learned. We haven't learned from Singapore in that regard, right? So you have to the training and 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 the point that you make in terms of paying attention is a conveyor belt. If you don't pay attention to the schools and spend enough money at the primary level, then you're going to have a problem in terms of your secondary school system. And crime. And crime, all right? And that's the relationship at the moment that, that nobody's spelling out, right? That we have a, a we have a generation of, of, of people who have come out of the system or a particular percentage of that generation, um, the dropouts, if you want to call them, that have moved into other areas and are not vocational, right? Um, we had the, the example uh, recently in, in La, the La Romaine robbery. I mean, thirty seconds, thirty seconds. The intention was not to just simply to rob. The intention was to basically kill anything that was in the way. Uh, and and they were young. These are young. These are young fellas. These are these are not these are not hardened criminals. These are young boys.
0: Well, I would I would prefer a different argument. When you come with an AK 115 and you come out of a light your vehicle and you open fire and your intention is to kill and then pick up whatever left and walk away with it that is a hardened criminal
3: all right and i accept that it means that we've, he's gotten to that stage at a much younger age yeah okay I now, that, be- is not, that is not a
0: soft criminal if you could call right. if you could call a criminal soft. well that that mindset, that mindset had to be developed
3: sometime before he got to 21. So, so but the parents didn't understand that parents certainly don't seem to know that that's not the child that they raised right so' the, the, that's the child they want to see all right well that that's possible too um the point the point i'm making is and, and the point that you have made is that the training program the the the, the, the part of the civics and everything has have to be reinforced at the other levels to move forward and we've really had no change for a significant period of time in terms of the um, our, our education or the education plan right in terms of what we're going forward, what is the person or the child that we're going to be making
0: you, you are training postgraduate business students in your institution right are their jobs awaiting them are there and are there uh the, does the environment facilitate them opening a business you're training them to, to run a business to understand business uh, the, uh do you do you get a sense that the investment in training them is redounding to more medium small micro businesses opening and being sustained successfully with the investment in training them
3: well the answer to that is yes and no um from our perspective we and we take the position that we have to help our graduates to move forward um, and we spend more time uh, than i i think in terms of teaching than we probably have spent time in terms of positioning i mean two things are not the same and a smaller percentage of our graduates are going to go into what we will call startup businesses and do the businesses on their own. In fact, that's probably the smallest segment. Most of the people are going to go into what we call established businesses. Now, the the, the interesting thing about that is the majority of people who come to us are coming from job, so they're not coming unemployed. They all they are reskilling. So we are a reskilling institution, and we have a very particular focus in terms of business. So you would find um, that amongst our national awardees for example about three or four percent of our national awardees are graduates from our school all right so in terms of positioning you have to say that that given where we are we're not doing that badly where that is concerned but there's more that can be done and in fact that's one of my key issues in terms of addressing the training that we move forward and we are reconfiguring the institution to bring a, a one segment open it up we have three, 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 three areas of emphasis and we have to reopen or open a space now which is going to be geared to do some of the things that you are talking about
1: hmm. in terms of the minister of finance also talked about the digital economy and he hmm. talked about a developer's hub um, that is going to promote um developers in terms of software etc cetera, etc cetera. and he also talked about the e-identification EI and the cost of doing business, again. government business, etc.
0: <laughs>
3: um, again. Were,
1: were you were you impressed with that section?
3: No, no, no. Um, uh, the one of the key changes, one of the key things that made a difference in in, in North America, and the, the, the North American gov- the government of North America in particular, made a decision with regard to the provision of certain services which are going to be electronic. And they literally did a thorough assessment and made a changeover to fill in that void, to be able to to do it in that way. And partly because the business sector was operating along those lines as well. So it wasn't just simply that they were leading, right, but they, in a sense, changed the pace of development. Now, that's not where we are with with government. Unfortunately, uh, government's intentions are good. Uh, its practice and its outcomes um, are not as obvious. We have some patchy areas. The payment of taxes, a particular one, and I mean, for example, in in the minister in course of his speech, for example, talk about paying everybody by um, transfers directly to the bank account. Well, I mean, that's not that's not new. That's about two, that's about thirty or forty years old, right? You know, that's 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 normative. One would figure, but there are specific areas. Um, Say for example, in payment mechanism, if you were to set up a business today in Trinidad, and for example, you were purely internet based, um, <clears throat> what you would depend upon is the broadband. The, the broadband would have to be reliable, it have to be strong, it have to be robust. Um, where are you going to be hosted? Which cloud are you going to be hosted? Anyway, well, you will find that there aren't a the number of an, enough services done domestically that will facilitate you in that, and and thirdly. Uh, if, for example, all of your payments are going to be made um, to you electronically, you would find that the banking sector is woefully behind in that regard. Uh, woefully behind uh, in, in terms of the company. For you to, if you went to the bank and you say you want to set up an electronic account uh, to collect revenue, and not just simply for you to access your account. Uh, the banks are told to helping you to access your account electronically. No, I don't want that. I want to facilitate payments into my account internationally. Well, you will find that all the banks are using the same platform and, or using the same platform that VP will use, or this one will use and using the same thing. Uh, it's a, it's an organization, which is based in Bermuda, uh, first Atlantic banking corporation, and you will find that many international organizations, for example, will not treat with it or don't treat it properly. So your ability to collect your revenue online is going to be seriously affected. So that there are institutional arrangements that have to be made good. The the, the governing law also has to change to be able to facilitate it and allow it. And there are huge drawbacks where that is concerned as well. And there's no real overwhelming demand. That's one of the reasons why it's so patchy. And the services have been so poorly done by the banking sector. The banking sector deserves a lot of stick in this regard. And I speak as a former banker.
1: But he talked also about e-payment providers, mm. and he talked about Paywise
3: being one that was recently It's important, it's important by the that he do banks. so. It's important that he do so, right? Uh, and it's important. If the banks are not going to be able. If the banks are not following in that regard. That they have to have some institutional capacity basically to develop therein, right? But I'm also making the point um, that government as leader in this regard, government has standards setter, government has as, as what you are influencing the development of those standards. And I have to say to you that we've created huge problems with this anti-money laundering legislation, right? which does not work, which doesn't capture anybody, but you go and open a bank account or try to open a bank account and it becomes a, a, a veritable minefield. I mean, we've, we've messed it up. So we're talking about all of these electronic things, but on the other side, we've created the whole issue of identification about who you are, what you are and how it's going to take place. And um, that doesn't go properly. And again, that's an institutional format, you want to ask it, if you want to, for example, I run an institution, I have to basically renew my insurance policy, I have to send all the details of all my directors, who were there, x, y, and z, how long they were there on the board, and so on, get copies of, of their, of their what you call it, their bills, right? the electricity bills. Well, all the call all, all facilities at, at the moment are bringing given bills uh, on on an e-platform all right so that creates another set another set of issues in terms of how do I download bills what bills are authentic and so on and I'm sending that as verification all right so that we're putting we, we put we putting in institutional requirements detailed formulation requirements right that in a sense are being outmoded by the developments on, on, on another front. Right, so we we've, we are complicating the issues of doing business, um, and transacting business, and the two things are so. It's one thing to announce all of these developments, but the policies have to be holistic. That's why I'm saying they have to be matched. The standards have to be put in position, right? All the payment systems have to operate properly, right? And those are those are those are critical, serious reasons you can stamp and say, "What do you want in the budget speech?" If on the other hand, between your central bank. Um, and your and your, what you call it, anti-money laundering issues and so on. Those have been calibrated. You you can't do that on a paper-based system anymore. It's impossible. All right. So you have to have some sort of electronic delivery capacity and some of the electronic tracing capacity. That's where the development is. If I had to go and open my bank account in the US and open my bank account in, 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 in London, I wouldn't get this kind of hassle. I speak from experience. And I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not basically saying that because if I've done it, you don't get that kind of don't you don't get that kind of difficulty informing in opening a bank account right, or in transacting business along those lines. Those are the kinds of changes I have to talk about. So giving, paying lip service to an e-payment function without talking about the underlying business systems. That's when we talk about. Again, you 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 said it nicely about ease of doing business. Well, ease of doing business is something you could talk about from, from you know, but if you don't, ease of doing business about how the processes fit together, um, the kind of documentation you ask for, how does that fit in with all the documentation be currently being provided by the way the system operates? If that's not the way it's working, then you have to put something else in position. Right? But if it Those is, I, I, I
1: mean, Trinidad and Tobago has no shortage of bright people in terms of coming up with the kind of systems that will move us forward. Why is it so difficult to get us to that point?
3: Um, well, because in large measure, government is about a paper-based format. The government thinks in a paper-based format. They think, and it also thinks... In know, very narrow terms. So in a sense, getting, if government has to take the lead on this, then it has to change, right? I mean, consider, for example, in terms of government filing system, it's still paper-based files, right? The one area in which, for example, I know, I know that they had to or forced to make a change were in the files, for example, in the Ministry of Trade when we were going, when we were going to the single electronic window. Right? The Minister of Finance used to have to come every year. Under uh, the Eta Pioneer Act in, in um uh industry and talk about all the licenses we were given. But I remember when I had to do that, I had to ask the question, so how many licenses we have? Well, they didn't know. Okay, all right, so how many are active? Right? How many did we initially grant? How many are currently in position? How many are dormant, etc. Et et but they know now because when they put in a single electronic window, they had to digitize all of that. Now that is not only for one ministry. That's what has to be done across entire government governmental set of arrangements. That's part of our problem. If you were to go and ask, for example, in terms of at the Ministry of Energy, for example, and talk about um, the health and safety aspects, um, and ask what's the policy for for that, and then ask a the question, well, who has followed up with this and who has who has checked all of this, you will find that that's not in position either, right? With the with, for example, the, the, the gas stations, when last was the policy, when last was there. Their, their licenses renewed etc etc and everything else that went with that uh, and that's not only one department that's across all of government so and the, the points
1: have is, been renewed in a while because we well not a while but they have not been renewed in a little
3: while according yeah, to speaking yeah. to
1: Robin well, all right,
3: so there you go so, so here we saying, up, yeah. we're talking about eat this and e that ah, I mean, but arrange your fix your business then so you start by fixing your i business. think
1: some of it is going on in this in the state i think there is a, a
3: transition to that good right okay there is you think some of it is going on and you think that there's a transition to that but you don't know sure i'm not affecting you every day right but
1: i know in the institution that i'm in we have transitioned to digital files oh okay completely Uh, so a lot of our a lot of our workflow is digital right i mean we are connected to the state and 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 you're
3: well that's that's positive that's only one but you're not run by the state yeah well we are well i mean we are connected (laughs) <laughs> but that's one area, and I'm saying that that is those are those are the kinds of things that have to be done across the system, mm. right? I picked up one issue with regard to the gas stations. I mean, that's a, that should be reasonably simple. How I many gas station they have? 1500 Is that hard? Yeah. Right? You understand the point I'm making? Right? So it ought not to be difficult. So the bottom line is that is where the improvement has to come from. It's not about talk, right? This is about action, right? This is about outcomes. Right? And that's one of the reasons why you started off, not me, you started off by saying that or, or Paul, we're a, a pay, we paying lip service to it in the budget speech. Well, the mm-hmm. is, we have to do these things on the basis of what are we going to achieve and the outcomes that we're going to achieve it and when we're we going to achieve it by. Not some vague line in a budget speech.
0: Well, again, he may say there are other ministers who will come and speak thereafter in the uh, continuation of the presentation who may go into more detail about that to be fair
3: right well all right but you're yeah. right
0: but, the, but the, the the minister should have given a policy overriding and an, an accounting of progress so far and, and a checklist of what needs to be done
3: all right and and that's so that's why i'm saying now the minister spoke for four hours yesterday all right in a sense he dulled us into some into what you so by the time we were happy to hear any kind of any kind of what are the fiscal measures at the end all Right. All right. What would um, the fiscal uh, I don't I don't
0: know. Know. he dulled us into submission?
3: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know why budget presentation on before was I never understand it, but on uh, it's partly a political statement. So
3: it is a political statement, mm-hmm. and even then the political statement could be shortened. Right? Yeah, the fact, the fact that the fact that it is so long tells us tells us something else too. What are the priorities?
0: Yeah. All right, Mariana, thank you so much as per usual. I know, you, I, know, I know the demands on your time in the next week or two are going to be hectic, so we did no, use we no, no, vitamins no, and zinc.
3: No, no, not too hectic. I'll get back. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, buddy. Thank you very much.
2: All right. All Thank you so much, Mariana Brown. All right. Uh, taking a uh, uh, news brief, and then we have another guest online.
0: Thank you for choosing Power Water 2 Digital. Listen every weekday for our live show starting at 6 a.m. Remember, like, Share and subscribe. Power 102 Digital.